And welcome back to the fourth episode of the Brutally Honest Loan Officer Podcast. Super excited to keep this going. I am Derek Brown. This is my handsome partner, Stephen Brock. We are both loan officers with the mortgage firm in Florida. Uh, Excited to keep doing this. If anybody is listening, this has been a little passion project for us that we're just having fun at work. So so today is December... 14th, 2023, we were only supposed to have microphones and getting ready to do a podcast by the end of the year. But I told you I wanted to record and post it. We did. And it's just because otherwise I'm going to critique myself too much. Yeah. I, I mean, I just want, I know we're going to go over some great stuff today, but it's like, if you ever want to do something, just go and do it. Like it's just, just putting it out there and doing it is better than having a perfect plan and never doing it. Yeah, exactly. We're doing something that like maybe 1% of loan officers are doing, right? At that. I mean, maybe 1% now because a lot of them left, but. All right. So um, in our fourth episode, we're going to talk about some non-traditional mortgage loans. Um, So we just kind of, our last podcast was talking about income and um, some of the normal ways we qualify people. So today's episode is going to kind of dive a little bit deeper into some non-QM products um, in the non-traditional route. So going uh, a route other than Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac uh, guidelines. So Stephen, if you would love to get us started with asset-based loan products. So asset-based loan, um, best way to put it. So a couple of years ago when it was cash is king, everybody was putting this cash down. A lot of people didn't actually want to put their, their cash down with it. You know, they would because if you put all that cash into that house, now you lock you locked up the cash into the equity of the home. It's very, it's not difficult to pull out, but there is a process of pulling out. You know, you just can't go to the bank and transfer it out, kind of thing. So an asset-based loan, what it does is instead of showing income for the loan approval, it's actually going off of how much assets you liquid assets you have. So um, I know the required asset amount is the loan amount, um, recurring monthly payments of that, of all your debt, so what's on your credit report and for that house, 60 months of that, um, having the funds to close and having six months of reserve. So if you have cash sitting in the bank, whatever it might be in, 401k, IRA, stuff where you're able to, that's considered liquid that you're able to pull in and out of, this loan allows you to keep that money in the bank so it can keep growing because it's most likely going to grow there a lot more than it is just in the home equity. Right. So you're allowed to go, you basically now use somebody else's money for the house and grow your home equity on somebody else's money while your money is still sitting in wherever it was in the banking system growing itself there. So well, we just had a, we just had some, I guess kind of rough or whatever, where the market wasn't doing so great. So some people's investments were down, you know, so pulling money out when it's down, we don't want to do that. Yeah. We'd rather pull it when it's up. Uh, so we just went through that where, you know, I was talking to a lot of financial advisors that didn't want to touch investments. We don't, we don't want to do a big withdrawal. We don't want to, yes, there's money here to pay cash, uh, but it may not be smart. We need it to build back up. So exactly. You know, they want it to, to sit there and so they can keep building itself back up with it. So it's a, it's a great tool to use and us as loan. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of rare to see it, but you know, like you said, when the market went down, a lot of people didn't want to pull that money out. Plus when they do, they're starting to be taxed on it. Um, right. so they want to keep it there. Uh, and then kind of defer that taxes and then they use the they use the ability they have the ability to pay off that house and that's what the bank is looking for a lot of people think okay 
whatever income I'm making monthly or whatever that time period is, is what we're going to use. The bank is looking at your ability to pay back that mortgage. So on this, this particular program, they can see that you have enough money plus extra to buy that house outright. And that's what they're looking at. So you have the ability to pay back that mortgage if need be. So another big popular one that's out there that's a non-traditional is uh, your investor cash flows, your DSCR loans. So Derek, go into that one. So DSCR, or also known as investor cash flow, so it stands for debt service coverage ratio, uh, where I used to think it was debt service cash ratio, it's coverage ratio. Uh, but that's where we base the property, like we qualify the property more than the borrower. So we're looking for a minimum credit score, usually, you know, 700 plus, you can go lower, but rates just get uglier. Um, but you know, a decent credit score, we're not looking at income. We don't want to see income documentation. Um, you know, it's typically 20% down or more. Uh, but we do 25% down, you have your interest rate, whatever. So then you have your mortgage payment. And then we want the mortgage payment to be less than the rental payment. You know, so you can get away with a one-to-one -one ratio, meaning if your rental payment is about $2,500 and your mortgage payment is $2,500, you might have a loan. Um, you a can lot of times- negative if you have a good enough credit score and enough down payment. I, I yeah, always see that- But I hate that. For, for me, the only time I see that, I mean, I see it around Disney and I see it around vacation areas. It, it's- People are Airbnb, so they know their right. monthly income is going to be a lot more because when you're doing the investor cash flow loan, we're we're doing worst case scenario, which is a 12 month lease, is what we're right. trying for the rent. So and that's where like, hey, this Airbnb at... is going to make four or five grand a month, and your mortgage is too. Like makes sense, but a 12 month lease might show it's only like 1,900 a month. Right, and you're also going to pay a little bit extra for the appraisal because it's going to include a rental analysis. So we go by that market rent on that. Uh, so you can go in the negative. I just, that makes me a little nervous. Yeah. Uh, but we, we've done it for somebody that wants to do a long-term lease, short-term lease, Airbnb, Burbo. Um, and in Florida, we see a lot of, you know, those vacation properties. Um, although Airbnb has been sitting a little bit, yeah. a lot of reports about some vacancies. So um, I would prefer somebody have, you know, a bigger cushion and not have that negative uh, ratio. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. Um, I talked to an investor that likes to buy investment properties, tries to do once one every one or two years, typically always puts like 50% down, does a DSCR loan. Um, and his reasoning behind it was he has that money. He wants to put it down. He wants a lower mortgage payment, but putting 50% down, he doesn't even care about the rate so much, but that way, whatever happens in the market, if he's got to wait a couple months to get a new tenant in, these are all long-term leases, you know, he can cover that mortgage payment. It's not a big deal. Um, but also if he feels like the market is going through something crazy and he's got to sell some properties, he can then sell it for a little bit less and still not feel like, you know, he's got to write a check at the end of the day to cover a mortgage. Exactly. You know what I mean? And what, what's so. good about it is this also allows, you know, some investors are like, oh, I'm going to pay out cash. I don't want a mortgage. I want to pay out cash. Well, you can put, you know, like he's doing 50%. So, so doing instead of a hundred percent, he's doing 50 and 50 on two different properties. Like that, I mean, that could be, you hope he has a, more reserves, but now he's buying two properties and doubling that cash flow. Right. Well, and he's a doctor. He makes a lot of money, um, but then he also doesn't want to have to supply income documents and all the tax returns and stuff like that. Um, you know, so he just, he avoids that, does the DSCR and loves it. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. And then 
Let's go bank statement. This is super popular. These are great loans. Definitely designed for your self-employment, self-employed people. And the biggest reason behind it is a lot of people in our other podcasts we were talking about that sometimes self-employment people, we go off of their their net, not their gross. Like not well, and let's let's rewind one second too, because we say self-employed, and there's times where I think some people don't realize they're self-employed. If you receive a 1099 and not a W-2, you are considered self-employed. Yes. So you may not realize that. I've talked to customers and they've been like, oh, I, I have to send you my 1099. And I was like, and your tax return yeah. because you're self-employed. And they're like, well, no, I, like I don't own the business. Well, business owners aren't just the only people that are self-employed. Yeah. Yeah. So continue, Stephen. Just want to throw yeah, that yeah. in. Well, well, if you have a 1099, you're definitely self-employed. You are an independent contractor. You know, right. the, the, at least in our industry, the most common one are realtors. Like they don't. They are all independent contractors. Rarely, there's a couple of um, realtor brokerages where they are W-2, but most of them are 1099 and that- Or they might've set up an S-Corp or something like that and they W-2 themselves. Yeah. That's going like a little deeper. Um, really good. We'll have to get, we're going to get a tax strategy. We've got to do a self-employment <laughs> yeah. So, But with it is now, instead of looking at, your tax return and looking at all the expenses, what we're looking at is the last 12 months or 24 months, depending on how long you've been in business, of the cash flow of the deposits and, and, and the withdrawals going through your bank. Now, this has got to be at your business bank account. You know, we're not looking at five, six different accounts. Like it needs to be like one account that we're looking at. But now we're looking at the flow of cash to see if what you're actually operating at, what your actually income is traditionally with it. So it's just a great product to have out there for you know the biggest one i saw is when a lot of people um with COVID, where when COVID happened a lot of businesses especially like restaurants were kind of shutting down but they were doing a lot of takeout and we were very at that time very careful how we lent money to self-employed people like that so it became a lot of people were doing bank statements they were still having tremendous cash flow with all those takeout orders and stuff like that i had a guy that he moved down here. He owned a, a a restaurant up in New York and went bank statement. It was the easiest thing. He showed 12 months of it, cash flow coming in and out just fine. The tax returns, of course, were all crazy, but how did all that come in? And it was such an easy loan, loan to do. Now, what are some of the trade-offs of doing a, a almost an investor cash for doing a bank statement loan instead of just going off their tax returns? Well, for one, I mean, we also should say like there's 12 month, 24 month. There's also personal and business. So you can use 100% of the uh, deposits on a personal account, 50% on business accounts. Uh, we need the consecutive 12 months. Um, but you can go like we've got one investor that goes as low as 575 credit score on bank statement. Um, you know, so there's no reserves required after I think if you're um, LTV is less than 75, you know, so there's some wins there. Uh, but what a, a lot of times it just comes down to what income would it cost? Like, so what write-offs would you have to get rid of? How much more would you have to pay in taxes in order to have the qualifying income we need to then approve you for a mortgage and doing that? Like I did it with a customer once where he was going to have to write a check for 75, like no, $75,000 to the IRS. Or he could just do a bank statement loan and his interest rate would be like one and a point or one and a half points higher. Yeah. 
Just minimal. I'll do that. Yeah. So that's just, you know, if you're self-employed, you should be able to write off as much as you can legally um, using tax benefits that the IRS has, not paying Uncle Sam. And then the caveat is you might be doing a bank statement loan with a little bit higher interest rate. That's it. Yeah, you know, we run into all the time where people are showing like, I made 15K, I made 20K, but I really make a lot more than that. And it's like, well, you either got to prove it on your taxes or prove it through your cash flow. Right. You, know, you got to see that you can pay that, that mortgage back with it. So it is a great benefit. It does have mm -hmm. a slightly higher rate than a, if you were just able to go traditional, conventional, like going Fannie, Fannie or Freddie with it. But the caveat is you, you couldn't qualify that way. So therefore, right. you have to go this way with a slightly higher interest rate with it. Right. And then I think that's it for bank statement, right? I'm trying to think of anything else. That, like it's, it's just not that difficult. I think that that's what like the surprising thing is, is like when we get into it and talk with borrowers, it's just not that difficult. Like it, and it doesn't really seem that special. The, the, the hardest part for, I think people is like, oh, I gotta get 12 months of bank statements. And then they log on to their bank and I'm like, oh, they're all right there. PDF. All I gotta do is click each one and download it. Like yeah, it's, it's so gonna hard. be so hard. I'm like, you get those because literally we get those 12, we upload it all to underwriting and they review it and come back and say, this is the income. Put this in this right. system. Done. That's it. Yeah. So, all right. So, like as a recap, you know, talking about non-traditional loans, talked about some asset-based loans. Then we went over DSCR, that's the investor cash flow, buying an investment property, uh, typically looking at, you know. 20% down, um, and we're trying to offset that rent payment by the mortgage payment. Which is and probably then, out of these is one of the most popular ones. We see a lot of investors come and use that. And that, for anybody listening, that allows you to, we were talking about earlier, to buy multiple properties instead right. of just buying one all cash kind of thing. You can you can leverage your money a lot more buying more you know properties that have a bigger portfolio. Right. And then the last one we went over were bank statement loans, covered that. Um, where we're talking about, we can use 100% of deposits on personal accounts, 12 months or 24 months, and then we can use 50% on business accounts, and that's um, 12 months or 24 months. Uh, one of our investors even has a three-month three month bank statement, um, but that might just be a little bit worse on the credit or on the interest rate. Yeah. Because it's just more risk. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the less paperwork and items you have to show, but well, it might be beneficial if the last three months have had an incredible amount of deposits. Yeah, exactly. So there, there, there's benefits that way, but you just got to realize there is always going to be a higher rate if we're asking for less things. If you have less technical skin in the game, there's going to be a higher rate. It's just more risk. And I want to say right. another one is, is just a straight 1099 loan where you're not looking at the tax returns. You're not looking at the bank statements, but you're just going off of the 1099 itself and using that. That's another way we, we can be able to do it too. That's it. That's that's our fourth a little podcast. bit more. So Close that's it. it. We we just did our fourth podcast. We're Ooh. done.